You are listening to the Speak Podcast. The podcast featuring talks from Speak, a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Welcome to the Speak Podcast, produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes available every week on all your favorite podcast platforms. Speak is a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories. Each Speak Talk features three key moments. The moment of truth, the moment of transformation, and the moment of impact. We host pop-up events all over the world, and now we are bringing our talks to your device. Our speakers are stepping onto the stage and into the spotlight, and now onto this podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Speak Podcast. I'm your host for today, George Andriopoulos, the architect and one of the co-leaders here at Speak. Today's episode is titled, Thankful for Embracing Life. That's right, this is our Thanksgiving week episode and we want to start it off by giving thanks for you, our incredible audience that has supported us since day one. This is a special week for us as we just closed off our one-year anniversary of our first pop-up event, which took place on November 17th of 2022, which was called Speak Beginnings. It has been an incredible year, and we give thanks to you, the audience that we could not do this without. So thank you for being here, and we promise to continue on our mission of creating stages all over the world in order to amplify voices, and we will continue to bring you the incredible content that you know and love us for. This week's episode features three published speakers who are talking not about giving thanks, but about embracing life. The embrace is the micro theme here within these three incredible talks. So let's just dive in and get this thing started. Our first talk comes from published speaker Tina Larson from Speak Shelter on October 25th, 2023 from the Laurie Beachman Theater in New York City, New York. In this Speak talk, we dive into Tina Larson's personal transformation from a self-proclaimed introvert to a networking expert. We learn how she conquered her fears and built meaningful connections in the bustling world of business. Here's Tina Larson with Overcoming Fear and Embracing Opportunities. There are two things that you should know about me. I don't take no for an answer. And meeting strangers and speaking in public didn't always come easy to me. To put this in perspective, when I moved to, moved to New York from Sweden in 1994, with a goal to work on Wall Street, you know, like the movie Working Girl, Pinstripe Business Suit, Corner Office, Carrying a Briefcase, it didn't take me long to realize that that was gonna take it would be pretty difficult to achieve with only a high school education. I had to go to college. So I applied to NYU only to get declined. I tried again and I applied to Pace University for the spring semester. October went by, November, December. I started panicking as there was no way I was going to go back to Sweden as a failure. So First day of school came by, and still nothing. 
So I said, I do, they are not going to stop me. I need to take matters in my own hands. So I got on the subway to City Hall. I marched down past Brooklyn Bridge to Pace Plaza and entered the tall, gray, mid-century modern building. I remember my heart was racing and my palms were sweating as, I, as the tall, skinny admissions officer offered me to take a seat in an orange plastic chair. Very classy. <laughs> Luckily, he didn't offer to, to shake my sweaty hand. I looked at him and I said, listen, it's first day of school. I need you, my future depends on it, and I need you to please help me. And then I sat there and watched him, without expression, lick his finger at every page turn. And when he reached the last page, he looked up at me and said, they haven't decided yet. That's when I pulled out $6,000 in cash. That's all it cost back then. I said, listen, I have the first semester tuition and I need to know where to pay. He looked at me as if I had two heads before he got up and left the room. And he was gone for a really long time. My heart was racing. I didn't know, should I be excited or should I be upset? He returned with a class schedule in hand to let me know that he had enrolled me in the mandatory English 99. I didn't know what the mandatory English 99 was, but I went like, yes! <laughs> For the next four years, that tall, gray, beautiful building was my shelter and my reminder to keep moving forward. I was there until I proudly stood on stage to pick up my shiny blue bachelor and MBA diploma and toss my cap in the air. Fast forward to 17 years later. I was thriving as a financial advisor on Wall Street when everything changed. I went from the phone ringing off the hook to no incoming phone calls almost overnight. I, was, I had to pivot or else I would lose everything. That's when a trusted friend said to me, Tina, I know it makes you uncomfortable, but you need to go network. And as a, um, a self-proclaimed numbers geek who likes to hide in her corner office, I knew he was right. So I went networking. I brought my husband as a safety net. He was in a bar in one of those trendy New York City hotels where, you know, the ones that are dark, loud, and full of hundreds of strangers. As we entered, I said to my husband, what do I say to these people? Ask them a question. People love talking about themselves, he said. My hands were sweating as I walked up to the first stranger, Robert, who, like the rest of them, was drinking red wine, chit-chatting, exchanging contacts. That night, I spoke with a few people, but I noticed that they were not very interested in meeting me. And some even rolled their eyes. I mean, who needs another financial advisor? That night, Robert said, where are you networking tomorrow? 
And I was like, I have to do this again? <laughs> so I did. I listened and I did. And I was networking day after day, and it was a horrible experience for me. Not to mention that I needed a, an elevator pitch, which was even worse, as I always stumble on words and can't, and my accent didn't help. But I did it while I was trying to figure this out. I organized a coup. Our co-op board was increasing our maintenance fees every year, and it irritated me. So we got some neighbors together, threw out the old board with a goal to cut our building's expenses. And if this was right up my alley as a Swede, if any of you have ever been to IKEA, you know what I'm talking about, because <laughs> we like to live small, simple, and efficient. <laughs> I used my analytical skills. I used my analytical skills to, um, and was able to save our building $340,000. Thank you. <laughs> so when I was out networking, instead of introducing myself as a financial advisor and getting eye rolls, I introduced myself as, I'm Tina Larson, and I helped my co-op save $340,000. And would you believe it? All the strangers were all of a sudden interested and wanted to talk with me. Some, some even said, can I introduce you to my co-op board? And that's when my husband and I hung up shingles and started our business, the Folsom Group. I went from being a data nerd who hid behind her desk to being an entrepreneur. <laughs> for what has become a fast-growing business consultancy supporting hundreds of co-op and condo boards in New York City. But I thought, and I continue to, oh, if any of you have ever been uh, on your own business, you know that in order for you to succeed, it takes a lot of networking, building relationships, and you need a lot of friends. I had no choice but to continue to network. I thought back on that first day of school when I marched down to Pace University and didn't take no for an answer. Something had to change. I needed to take matters in my own hands and, and face my fears. With the help of coaches and mentors who supported me and made me realize that I needed to change my attitude and embrace making friends, it became easier. So my coaches and mentors helped me embrace making friends. So I no longer have a pit in my stomach when I meet strangers. But the pit in my stomach is still there when I speak, but it could also be because I'm excited to share my story with you here today. I no longer like to shake hands because I like to hug my friends. So after the show tonight, I will come around and I will hug every single one of you.
That was Tina Larson with Overcoming Fear and Embracing Opportunities from Speak Shelter, an event that was produced by Meredith Grundy, our first triple threat who is a published speaker, a channel partner, and of course the producer of Speak Shelter. Tina did such an incredible job. I was in the audience for this event and Tina brought the energy in this talk and had the room in the palm of her hands, had them laughing, had them emotional. What an incredible roller coaster that she took us on during this talk. So thank you, Tina, for an incredible speak talk. Our next talk comes from across the pond. Ashley Averell's journey of self-discovery delves into the intricate dance between motherhood and entrepreneurship. In her talk, Embracing Imperfection, a mother's self-discovery story, she shares the raw and heartfelt account of her experiences as a mother, wife, and businesswoman. This is a story of resilience, empowerment, and the pursuit of happiness, imperfectly beautiful in its own right. From Speak Transformation in Belfast, Northern Ireland, from October 5th, 2023, here's Ashley Averell with Embracing Imperfection, a mother's self-discovery story. Mother, wife, and businesswoman. So my life can be summed up by those three titles, but I'm gonna admit something, I'm not good at those titles at all times of the day and in all weeks and all months. So the first and arguably the most important title occurred to me whenever it was August 2021. I'm sure we all remember it fondly because it was still in the cuts of COVID. Um, so it was really, really warm that summer and I was very heavily pregnant. And our nights had changed from Saturday nights at the bar to Sunday afternoons at garden centres and we still had pretty much a lot of social distancing in place but in my world in my little bubble my life had changed because I had had this lovely little gift however what nobody had ever warned me about not in a midwifery appointment or none of my friends or even my parents said your identity is going to be completely different so in business I really pride myself in being the stupidest person in the room because I think it's the way I grow and it's the way I hire people and it's the way I network. However, I will never forget the time whenever I was sitting in the Royal Victoria Hospital and I had to be C-sectioned last minute. I had a particularly large baby. Um, that I was lying there and she, the midwife came in, she was changing the nappy. And I looked at her and I didn't say it, but she, I sort of went, thank God you're doing that because I have no idea how to change a nappy, let alone they were going to let me home the next day with this child. So, but in that moment, I felt insecure and I felt inadequate. So whenever we talk about motherhood, we talk about it in like a really beautiful, empowering way and in a very natural way. But if we look at like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, it's in a cocoon, but no one ever thinks, oh, but like that takes actually quite a lot of strength for the caterpillar to become that butterfly. And I was really cozy in my cocoon. I thought it was great. I had only just adjusted to, just adjusted to adulthood and now I was dealing with motherhood. And I had only started my business at the age of 22. So my business was only about four years old and I was trying to do all these things at once. But was it just me that was actually struggling with this? Was it just me that was going, oh my goodness, like my boobs are so sore and I'm trying to breastfeed and I'm trying to keep the house together for people calling for cups of tea. At the end of the day, like they could do it themselves. But I think it was whenever we took a step back and I just went, I need to, I need to go somewhere, I need to do something. So I joined Baby Sensory. If you've ever been to Baby Sensory, 
I went there to try and find some sort of community. But what I found was Polly and Peter perfect. So I was met, Patrick was maybe about eight weeks old at this stage, and I was met with, a, oh my goodness, are you not so blissed out? Like the newborn stage is the best stage. And I was going, no, are, are, are you lying to me? Like this surely can't be real. And I found that really particularly difficult. And I remember whenever I started to have the postpartum hair loss, I looked in the mirror and I had all the little stretch marks I'd never had before. And as much as yes, wonderful, it carried my lovely, lovely baby. That wasn't me. I had no idea who she was. And then add on top of it, there was all the mental struggles. So there was the non-doubts that you were just never, ever, ever doing enough. So if I was able to do business good one day, that day wasn't a good day for Patrick. If I was able to be a good wife one day, it wasn't a good day for anybody. So you just, you were climbing a mountain that you would never be able to climb. So I had to get myself out of it. So what I did was, whenever I say I had quality time, I didn't really. It was me, it was the pram, and it was my headphones, and I walked along the sea. So I walked, and I walked, and I walked, and I listened to podcasts, music, whatever it be, and I just had my own time. I had to carve out my own time for myself. I had to get to know myself again. So recently, I, my friends have recently had babies, and I was sitting with them about a month or so ago, and I said, Do you know what I really don't miss about the newborn stage? They said, what? And I said, the crying every day. And they were like, from Patrick? And I was like, no, from me, from me. <laughs> Genuinely, I find that stage really tough. And I don't know, my, I know it's quite a funny thing to say, and I know my friends kind of looked at me like, is she all right? But the thing was, if they could find a little bit of solitude or a little bit of community in that, I think that's what, that's the, what I needed. That's what I needed from that baby sensory class. So that's whenever I kind of, I knew that the, my new identity wasn't to overshadow my old one. It was to come together into a space of growth. And I had to look at that deeply. So it took me around 18 months to look at how I was as a leader in the business. And I said, well, actually, the, the skills I have, like resilience and communication, leadership skills, everything like that, is actually the same skills I now have in my home life. So being a mother has actually oddly made me probably a better boss along the way. And also what I did in order to get out of this is I cut off all my hair. And I know that sounds so trivial, but they say that a woman that cuts off all her hair is about to change her life. And it really, really certainly did. Another thing I did was I actually did go back to work. And rightly or wrongly, like the health visitor was not down for this one. I had to realize that my dreams were also really important. And I had to realize, right, well, if I give up those dreams, I'm not really gonna be a great parent. And that was where I found the balance. Now, the greatest impact I really hope to have is on my son. I hope that whenever he's a teenager and he's really moody and he grunts at me and hates me, I hope whenever teachers say, does anyone know anyone that owns a business? He puts his hand up and is all delighted with himself that his mother owns a business. I also hope that by me talking and sharing my emotions that it helps him and one day he might be a parent too and that will really help him. But for me, what I've learned to do is I have learned to just forgive myself because a good friend said to me, you can be all things but just not all at once. 
So what I've learned to do is I just take every day, the good, the bad, the ugly, and I cherish every single moment. Thank you. What an incredible talk. That was Ashley Averell with Embracing Imperfection, a mother's self-discovery story. I had the privilege of co-producing Speak Transformation and visiting Belfast for this incredible event. And Ashley was just such a pleasure to work with and was so genuine, so honest, so transparent with this heartfelt story. And we couldn't be prouder to have her take our stage. So thank you, Ashley, for this incredible talk. Our final talk for today comes from Alex Purseglove. This Speak Talk captures a powerful journey of self-discovery triggered by a life-altering medical diagnosis. Faced with the stark reality of cancer, Alex Purseglove confronts a past marked by disconnection and self-doubt. Through tears and anger, she finds an unwavering passion to shed her people-pleasing behaviors and embrace her authenticity. This story underscores the transformative power of internal health demonstrating that passion, purpose, and fulfillment flourishes when one lives in the present moment and becomes fully self-expressed. From Speak Health on October 18th, 2023 in Massapequa, New York, here's Alex Persglove from Fear to Freedom, a journey of embracing self-expression. It's a solid pseudopapillary tumor with cancerous tissue, the nurse says from the other end of the phone. A tumor in my pancreas. What does she mean it has cancerous tissue? Does that mean I have cancer? I'm 24. I can't have cancer. This cannot be real. On March 1st, 2011, I received this news that I believed was the worst thing to ever happen to me. The nurse can't answer my questions. She's not the doctor. She can only give me the result. At first, I am in shock and confusion. What does a pseudopapillary tumor even mean? My stomach has formed a knot. My gut feels tight and constricted. My hands are shaking. My disbelief starts to turn into feelings of despair. How is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? The fear overtakes me, and all that I have available to me in this moment is to start pleading out loud to God. God, please give me more time. Please don't let this be my end. I am so scared right now, I don't even know what to do. I have moved into feelings of complete terror. I am terrified that I might have limited time left, and I have so little to show for my life. After two years of freelancing on film projects in Los Angeles, I've moved to Dallas to be with my boyfriend and I'm working as the event manager for the Dallas International Film Festival. Being in the film business is romantic, right? Sexy. Not for me. I don't have good friends in this city and when I call my boyfriend and ask him to come home to comfort me, he says that he's too busy at work and I'll have to wait for him. Scared and alone, I fall to my knees on my bathroom floor and I sob. Instantly, it becomes clear to me what matters in my life and what doesn't. I don't care that I haven't produced a movie yet because I'm not really enjoying my time in the film industry. I'm an errant girl. I also don't care about the validation that I feel from building my life with my boyfriend. 
He's 13 years older than me, a wealthy entrepreneur who swept me off my feet and introduced me to this extravagant lifestyle that I had never known before. But behind closed doors, I know the truth. I'm in an abusive relationship. He verbally attacks me, gaslights me, and shames me. He keeps promising that he's working through his problems and that it will get better, he'll change. So I keep waiting, waiting for the day that it gets better. But now I have a tumor. Tumors don't wait. In this moment, I don't care about what's going to happen in 10 years from now, or five years from now, or even next year. Everything in my body tells me that there are only two things that matter in this life, and they matter right now. First, I feel desperate inside to experience more love in my life. I know I have people that love me, but deep down, I don't actually know how to feel and receive unconditional love. You see, my relationship with my boyfriend is not the first time that I've experienced someone in my life who says that they love me, also tearing me down. I grew up in a house that was full of love and also full of fighting and anger. Whenever my sisters and I would argue, it evoked a rage in my father that was met with screaming, threats to be hit with a belt, and the question, what's wrong with you? I learned that the best way to stay safe was to curl up in a ball, to literally make myself as small as possible, and to say over and over, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Daddy, I was wrong, I'm sorry. This is how you get Dad to love you again. I was taught a similar belief about God as a child. If you repent who you are, admit your inherent nature is sinful, and ask for forgiveness when you make mistakes, God will love you for eternity. And thus began a deeply ingrained pattern in me that to feel safe, to get approval, and to be lovable, you must follow the rules, stay small, and apologize for your wrongness. What I realize while I'm laying in a puddle of my own tears on the bathroom floor and reflecting on this deep void that I feel inside of me is that I never actually felt accepted by my dad. And as much as I pray and go to church and read my Bible and follow the rules I've been taught, I don't feel connected to God either. But I want to. I deeply desire to feel connected to love to divine, unconditional love, the kind of love that says who you are is never wrong and all of you is welcome here. And this leads to my second life-changing awareness. Thank you, Tumor. I am unhappy because I'm also disconnected from myself. I'm unseen and unheard and out of alignment with my heart. I've been living in misery, unhappy at work and unhappy at home, always feeling like, what I do is just never good enough, the results are never enough, that I am not enough. And instead of changing, I kept myself here because, well, someday it will get better. But now, I don't know if someday is coming. The tumor has catapulted me into the now. I may only have a few months left. And I've been sitting around waiting for life to get better instead of feeling truly alive. No, no, I want to make an impact with my life now. 
I want to play so much bigger. I want to serve more, contribute more of my gifts and talents. I want to express so much more of my potential. I've been believing my boyfriend's remarks that I could never be as successful as him because I'm not savvy enough. But I know the truth. I know I am capable of so much more. I know inside that my life matters. My happiness matters. Who I am, it matters here, now, today. I feel this rage and anger stir inside of me that I have not spoken my truth or let my voice be heard in so long. I cry and I scream and I punch pillows. And as I release my anger, I begin to feel it morph into passion. Passion to start living my life the absolute best that I can and to make the greatest impact that I can for however much more time I still have on this earth. And then there's a moment of surrender. I hear a whisper from God, not the God that I've learned about, but the God that I know in my heart and soul, the God within. And it says, I've got you. You are already loved. I pick myself up off the floor and I make a vow to myself. I am going to use this to change my life. I am going to learn how to unapologetically express who I really am. I am going to connect to divine love and create a life full of passion and significance. And this was the beginning of what has now become a 12-year journey to living my most fully expressed life, a life infused with passion, purpose, and ecstasy. My beautiful, life-altering tumor turned out to be incredibly rare and non-aggressive, and I was cured from surgery on April 7th, 2011. I was also cured of that narcissistic boyfriend. And six years later, I married an amazing man who sees me for who I really am and supports me. The deepest work of all was to let go of the girl who people pleased, apologized all the time, and who made herself small in order to feel accepted and loved. I found healing with my family, released years of stifled emotions, came to my truth about my spiritual beliefs, and through finding my voice, I reconnected to the woman that I really am, a woman with divine love inside of her. I now know that I have infinite creativity and potential inside of me. I prioritize what lights me up inside. I am not afraid to speak my truth. And I make decisions from a place of knowing that who I am today is capable and always good enough. And I have never felt more alive. Now, my life is nowhere near perfect. I am a constant work in progress. But I've come to learn that it is not about waiting for some future destination to finally make you happy. It's about prioritizing the journey and feeling good right now. No matter what success you've achieved on the outside, money, notoriety, awards, it will never feel like it's enough yet until you become fully self-expressed and own your value from the inside out first, until you are living with unconditional love for yourself. This is the power of internal health. And it was not until my physical health was threatened by my tumor that I woke up and I've come to see that when you care for yourself, love yourself, and express your most authentic self, 
the success and fulfillment that you'll experience in your life expands beyond measure. Thank you. What a powerful talk to close off this episode. That was Alex Persglove with From Fear to Freedom, A Journey of Embracing Self-Expression. Collaborating with Alex on this talk was so powerful as I listened to her incredible story. And that embrace of life, that embrace of self-expression during her moment of transformation was just so powerful that Alex was one of those type of speakers that you were just glued to while giving this talk. Her comfortable style and her ease on the stage was just mesmerizing to watch, and we can't wait to continue working with Alex. We'll be announcing some things very soon, but you may see Alex in the producer's chair at Speak very, very soon, so keep your ears and eyes open. That does it for this episode of the Speak Podcast, our Thanksgiving episode, and we want to give thanks one more time to our incredible Speak family, which includes our speakers, our producers, our channel partners, our sponsors, and most of all, you, our audience, who continues to support us week after week, event after event, as we turn this little engine that could into the little engine that will change the world one day. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. The Speak Podcast is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios, executive produced by Fred P. Banning, Jason Martin, and George Andriopoulos. Our theme song, Champions Day, is by Lupus Nocti. Incidental music, Melting Places, is by Andreas Kantu. Music and sound effects licensed through Epidemic Sound. The Speak Podcast is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Follow Speak at Speak underscore event on Twitter and at Speak Event on all other social media platforms. Visit our website, speakevent.com, for upcoming events, channel partner, sponsorship, and speak at work opportunities. And follow all the great podcasts produced by Lunchpad 516 Studios.